This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey guys, it's Laura. We're taking a break this week, but I wanted to reshare one of our favorite episodes from earlier in the season. Here's my conversation with the one and only Michelle Pfeiffer. Enjoy. I think the paparazzi thing really terrified me and I just couldn't wrap my head around it and I still really struggle with it. I think I'm definitely more accepting of the celebrity part and I think I am more gracious the older I've gotten about it. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStyle Magazine and each week I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it and what we can learn from her. This time around I'm chatting with my friend and frankly baby's first movie star Michelle Pfeiffer. When I first met Michelle, I couldn't stop staring at her, but that's another story. Michelle, of course, is a three-time Academy Award nominee who's been in films like Scarface, The Fabulous Baker Boys, Batman Returns, my personal favourite, Dangerous Liaisons, and the upcoming French Exit. But she's also an all-around Renaissance woman with her own line of clean fragrances, Henry Rose. Michelle and I talked about how she's been doing during coronavirus, uh, some of the highs, lows and otherwise from her decades with in film, and the things she did that made her feel like an Avon lady. Oh yeah, you want to know. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. Well, hi there, everybody. Welcome to Ladies First. Michelle Pfeiffer is my guest today, and I'm stoked, as we say in my land, that you joined me, MP, from your bunker. She's in a bunker <laughs> in an undisclosed location. I've known Michelle, obviously, on screen for many years, and I've now reconciled it with getting to know her as a person, and she's the worst. Uh, so it's a disappointment. But I just want to firstly say um, that, yes, we met a couple of years ago when Michelle came into my office at InStyle, and, and you were then just preparing to launch your fragrance line, your clean fragrance line, uh, Henry Rose, and you were having to do the tour of all the editors and magazines and go around and yak it up. And I remember we met in the conference room and I, I did, frankly, just spend an hour kind of staring at you. I just was like, oh, oh. Not, again, not entirely in a creepy way, but marginally. That's the first time you've really been around and, and had to talk up a, a business. Were you nervous having to go sort of the other way around and go and talk to editors and things like that? I was so nervous and I had no idea. I didn't know what to expect. I said, well, what do you mean? I, I go around and I carry the, bring the product like the Avon lady. I'm like, <laughs> what are you, I didn't understand it at all. And I think they were just, you know, crude little sample bottles with, you know, crude labels on them. And crude. I was also just still beginning to learn about fragrance and beginning to learn to talk about it. I was just so afraid to get any of it wrong. And you were one of my very first. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but you made it so easy. But there were a lot of people in the room. Well, guess what? Michelle Pfeiffer was coming to the office. So... <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this, but people like you and would like to meet you. So it was everyone like clambering over each other. I always find that sort of surprising. Where my brain went that day in that room was, okay, I have to get approved by all of these people. That's where my brain went. 
Of course, but that's that's the inside and outside of of yourself thing. That we'll... But it was really fun because I the thing that I remember most vividly is you. It's first time I'd met you, kind of sitting cross-legged on, and kind of bouncing on the couch. It was just, and I thought, wow, what an exuberant person <laughs> she is. <laughs> It was like it don't. Why? How do they allow a six-year-old to run a magazine? <laughs> and here we are. You took some time off to have your kids, and then you came back to work. And there was a a real flurry when you came back to work because you were missed. So tell me about how you have been able to trust your instincts. You know, through the tenor of the work you've done and how you've paced it. Well, you know. A lot of things go into your decision making, a lot of factors other than do I like the script, other than, you know, do I love this director? And sometimes life is more of a priority and, and sometimes you're able to, you have a little bit more freedom to, to make those sorts of decisions. And so for me, it was always, okay, well, where is the shooting? When is it shooting? If it's in the summer, I can take my kids. If it's not, you know, so there was always that sort of being factored in. And then I went for about five years and I didn't do anything. And I actually didn't even realize I had been away for that long. But then I started, I, I went back and I, I started, I think Stardust was maybe the first thing I started doing kind of little bits here and there. And now, now there are productions going on, Yeah. but now it's like, okay, do I want to go to Vancouver mm -hmm. and be quarantined in a hotel for six months? Yeah. There's a ton of productions that started up and have stopped and started and stopped. And you've got to be yeah. hugely tenacious to, to do that. I mean, now you've been talking about doing anything upcoming, even though it's... Yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to do Ant-Man. <gasps> Again? The third one. Good, because they found you in that last Ant-Man. You were all the way in they the... They found me. In the, in the, where was that? The, the, the area? The quantum realm. The quantum realm. <laughs> Thank you. You know the quantum realm. So you're going to be out of it now, or do you have to go back in? You don't know. I don't know. <gasps> and if I did, I'm not allowed to say. But I think that's supposed to happen in spring of 2021. When did you first have to get a sense of, of the persona of you, of, of Michelle Pfeiffer, movie star, existing outside of Michelle? In what way? Was it just nerves or like what was... Just, just a lot of anxiety about it. And I think the paparazzi thing really, really terrified me and I just couldn't wrap my head around it and I still really struggle with it. I think I'm definitely more accepting Right. of the celebrity part. And I think I am more gracious the older I've gotten about it, but mm, not so much when I was younger. And, you know, I was really difficult about it, Right. you know, in terms of studios and productions. And I'm sure they all thought that I could have supported the films more. Because you didn't do a lot of press, for example. Yeah. I was just very, yeah, very stingy about what I was willing to do and what I wasn't. And photo shoots, I'm the worst. I'm just super, super uncomfortable. And I always feel really bad for the photographer because they sort of take it personally. And I've actually had, there's one really famous photographer who will not be named. I had two days scheduled with him and that's kind of really unusual. So it was a big, it was a big spread for something. And after the first day, he canceled the second day. <gasps> 
Oh, God. But isn't that funny? What I want to speak about on each episode is a particular trait of the woman I'm talking to, which in my eye, that's a completely arbitrary, subjective take. And it's like I've distilled the essence of Pfeiffer into a bottle. What I always always think about with you, Michelle, is, is grace and how you've handled things gracefully. When I told you that that was the theme of your podcast, uh, Grace Throughout Your Career, Your Personal Life. You laughed and, and wrote back, I always feel like a clod. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I would like a litany of clod-like examples. Well, I actually meant to wrap my finger up before this, but I forgot because that's my latest injury is I've, I've injured this knuckle and I did it after I'd broken my wrist <laughs> and after I'd broken my toe And it was at the beginning of COVID and I was in a, I'm always just, I'm in a hurry all the time and I've got a million things going on in my brain and I'm impatient. And anyway, I just, I don't know, I just grabbed onto the thing in the wrong way and I lost my balance and, and I've now injured my ligament or something in my knuckle. But, you know, within a year I broke my toe clumsy, just kind of slipped and fell down the stairs. <laughs> oh, set of stairs? No, just like three or four, but it was enough to break my toe. And then I broke my wrist getting out of a bathtub. It was slippery marble. And the thing is, I said to myself, okay, remember, slippery floor, be careful. I remember thinking this. And I put one foot down and I just went down. And then I fainted <gasps> because the pain... So then I cut my eye open. At the same time? So then David comes in. Well, first he knows I I start, of course, I start screaming, of course, after I've broken my wrist. And he's on the phone in a panic trying to get somebody who knows who we're supposed to call. And then while he's out, I faint. (laughs) I go down. He comes back. I'm laying on my side, out cold, and now blood (laughs) It's like a horror movie. How have you kind of kept it together from from March to, to now? Um, how have you managed to stay calm-ish considering or at least pass the time a number of months later and not be in the fetal position? Exercise has been really important, even though I'm not, you know, I'm not as consistent as I would like. To. Nothing is as consistent as I would like. Everything is just sort of harder, like discipline is harder you know, I'm tired. My diet isn't as good as it typically is because we're all eating emotionally. And so, um, I'm doing the best I can like everyone, but I did start taking meditation more seriously. Are you any good at it? I I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I don't really know what that means. Uh, do you manage to stop your brain for for a little bit? A couple seconds. (laughs) Hey, two more than me, sister. As you've as you've gotten older, when you say you have been more graceful and more accepting about that, I mean, I think even in the the last um, fast forwarding a bit, in the last couple of years, when when I'll, we'll get more into Henry Rose in a sec, but with social media and all that all that other stuff, you've you're really good at it, and you're very good at calibrating what you put out there. And what changed with that? I wouldn't be on social media if it weren't for Henry Rose. I mean, I was terrified to go on social media. I started it. Uh, maybe six months before the launch of Henry Rose. And I mean, look, it's got its 
pluses and minuses it's got, right? But one of the plus side is, is that you can really control your own narrative. And actors have not been able to do that. We've always just had people gossiping about us or magazines writing about us. And I think it's, it's a very powerful tool, actually, that does help balance out whatever anxiety you might have about being on it. I mean, you're your own. I, I've said this to actors I've known too, but when they were like hemming and whoring about going on social, it's like, but you're your own editor. Like to your point, you do control it. So you can put out what you want and not what you don't. I think that where it gets tricky is, you know, the comments are going to get snarky and they hurt, you know, it hurts. You can say, oh, well, but you know, you actually do build up a little bit of a defense for that. And now I just, I really don't read them. I mean, unless I post something that I'm a little bit nervous about, um, I might go on and sort of check maybe the first, I don't know, 10 or something. Right. And then and see, kind of see, see how it's going. And it gets, gets to 11 and you're like, suck it, don't care. Yeah, I know. But there's a performance anxiety to performing. There's a performance anxiety to be posting on social. And I think it's important to remind people that it happens to everybody, you know, no matter how, how often you've literally performed in your life. So to go back to performing and, and the idea of grace is how you carry yourself, something you think about often. And I do, I do the thought of you starting out in a beauty pageant is just so brilliant and how did you end up calibrating the way you put yourself together it's so antithetical to who I am and the way that came about is I had a friend of mine um he's my hairdresser and he was the only one who I really shared that I wanted to be an actor because I was embarrassed he said there's this beauty pageant and one of the judges is an agent and basically that is why that was I the went grand into this plan beauty. that was the grand plan that was my foot in the door and i started doing commercials and then i started taking acting class in la and then you then i got my first theatrical agent i love that your beauty pageant was a means to an end it was it wasn't like tell me i'm the prettiest one in the room what did you have to do was there waving i guess there was waving was there a sash Oh, yeah. Miss Orange County. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Do you still have it? You know, I, I haven't seen it. So I think it's important. You know what I did find, though? God, do I have it in here? I feel like I have it in here. When my dad passed away. Okay, I'm going to cry. When my dad passed away, we were going through his desk, which he was very private about. I don't know what was going on with him, but he did not want people going in his desk. And... I found this crumpled up piece of tissue paper and inside it was my crown. Oh my God. Oh, your papa, he must have been so proud. But you know, it's something that your mother would keep for you, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. But no, he had it locked in his desk. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome back to Ladies First with Laura Brown. That's me, Laura Brown, Editor-in-Chief of InStyle Magazine, and I'm talking to Hollywood legend and real pretty lady, Michelle Pfeiffer. But how did you, like, end up having to, you know, presenting yourself not only in a, in a, in a role, but off screen, and you got to go to a red carpet, and you got to do this. Did you ever get used to it, or is there a certain mechanics that you would apply at a photo shoot, say, or on a red carpet, or that whole kind of alien aspect to acting, that promotional aspect? How did you first get your head around that? I don't know that I ever have. Liar. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think now I just sort of leave my body. Where do you go? I don't know. It's literally like I just, I'm, I just, you know what? I, I think now that I think about it, there is something that happens now that didn't happen before. And I think that there's a sense of gratitude when I'm, you know, interacting with the fans, you know, you see these little kids who have been waiting for hours in line and sometimes in the rain and it kind of sort of carries me through, I think. She's frozen. And it might be because I have less fear and less anxiety. So I'm able to feel more gratitude for the situation. You froze. I did. Yeah. You're talking about the the kids. I left my body. I left my body. Yeah, it's a little known fact, but yeah, not many people know that about me, but I am able to leave my body. Obviously, look, you're e- easy on the eyes, but have you always had a, a comfort with yourself, but like about how you are perceived? What were your sort of insecurities you had about how you looked or the way that you presented on screen? Or did you just leave that at the, at the door when you, especially when you were in a performance? So much of it is like good lighting and angles and you show up puffy one day and, you know, I have a lot of angles on my face. If I'm lit harshly, it can really go wrong. And, uh, <laughs> it can go horribly awry. It can go horribly awry. Well, hang on. I thought Michelle, Michelle, five words would hear All I see is a monster. Monstrous. Monstrous. Um, when it comes to a performance now, obviously you, you've been in all, all different iterations and what's the one in, um, in Maleficent where you're that ancient evil uh, queen lady. Was that fun just to be like ancient and evil? Those were not prosthetics. That's what can happen when I'm not lit well. Thank God you pulled it together today, frankly. <laughs> I have to say that was, that was kind of hard, you know, in the beginning. And I loved the concept of it. I remember when Matthew Vaughn and I discussed it and he talked about how he wanted her to age over time as she lost her power. And I had no idea what that would entail with all of the prosthetics and because that was really challenging. But also, just psychologically, when I first looked at myself in the mirror, it really freaked me out. I'm like, Matthew, I look like a monster. <laughs> but it's funny, isn't it? Especially like accepting any idea of you as older than you are, however old you are, as when you feel like you're kind of an eight-year-old kid all day. 
It's a very strange thing. You know, I'm 46 now and just certain things are starting to, to move around. And you're like, what? But, like, why can't my skin just stay on the bones? It's like, what's that? Every day it's like, what the, what's that? No, the first, oh, it's like, oh, gravitas? I don't need gravitas. Jesus, nobody has time for that. Okay. Who have you witnessed in the business who carries themselves with grace or somebody who coming up that you wanted to emulate or you admired? When I worked with Jack Nicholson, I was lucky to work with him at a really young age. I think I was 23-ish. And I was very nervous to work with him. I'm sure. Jack, I was really intimidated by. And he so quickly was able to... Um, make me feel and make all of us really feel comfortable and relaxed in, with him. And he just really disarmed the situation. And, and I watched him work with the director and he was just so respectful and so patient. And when I saw how he didn't let his emotions get in the way, um, and I, I admire him so much, and I was really lucky to have had that experience with him. Yeah, you really, you, yeah, your co-stars have just been so unfortunate. I'm so sorry. I know. I mean, I just know. a it's, litany of losers. It's been a struggle. I'm so sorry. Okay, tell me this. So is there a situation that you, you hoped you would have handled more gracefully? I think a lot, a lot of things. One of the things that I just went to was when I was pregnant with my son, Wolf was coming out. And actually it was the second film that I had done with Jack. They were gearing up to do all of the press. And as you know, Jack doesn't do press. So there was a lot expected of me. And I was huge. I mean, I was nine. I was like ready to pop. You had a human inside you. I had a human inside of me. And I was getting a lot of pressure to do a lot. And I just said, I'm pregnant guys. I can't, well, I could have probably done more. I could have done something. I regret not making more of an effort for, with that. Tell me about what you were ambitious for when you started out and what you're ambitious for now. It started out as, you know, my mother was dependent on my father and she stressed the importance of having a career before you get married. You know, it was very in, important that I had independence and that I had a way to support myself. And it's something that I'm always telling younger women. You go into relationships all doughy-eyed and we always think everything's going to last forever, but sometimes it doesn't. And then a lot of women have to figure it out. So no matter how in love you are, I think it's important. And so it started out with that. And then I don't know, you know, ambition. I'm just doing what I love to do. And I'm always just fighting to do more of it. And then with Henry Rose, I do feel that it's important for me to be creative and to be creating something and producing something and contributing something. I'm most happy when I'm sort of making something out of nothing in a weird way. That's really what drove me with, with Henry Rose and with the fragrance line and I wasn't working a lot acting. And I thought, well, I'm not done contributing. What is it that I feel, you know, what is it that I feel really passionate about and that really 
gets me going. And I really felt like there was a need out there. And that if I was looking for this type of product, that most likely there were a lot of other people looking for it. So, and then I have this terrible fear of humiliating myself and I don't like to fail. So it's, it, I think more than having ambition, I don't like to fail and I don't quit. If you were to play one of your previous characters in a sequel that was like in 2020, who would that be? Oh, Susie Diamond. Oh, where would she be? What would she be doing? I think she'd be performing. I think she'd be touring. I don't know that she would be super famous, but I think that she had enough of a, has enough of a following. That I wonder if she's to be slithering around. Yeah, I think she would be. <laughs> do, you think, do you think she'd still have flexibility in her hips? Not like she used to. She's on like some sort of arthritis medication, but she's <laughs> but she's still compelling. Okay, so if you could, you could do that, thank you. If you could just be the fabulous Susie Diamond uh, next year. All right, a little bit more. I want to talk about Henry Rose. You started Henry Rose as a line of fragrances, but you've now recently branched out into candles and, and body. And I will say, not as any shill of this but on a stressful week as as we've been having here i like that candle that you sent me uh, henry rose candle and it's just really good so how did you learn to hone your instincts because your taste is really really good thank you i have to say i i think launching this company and and developing these products it was such a long haul it was well over 10 years of pounding the pavement and trying to get this off the ground. And everyone, everyone, including the people who were really supportive of me, were telling me this was maybe not a great idea and that I should do this and I should do this. And I'd say, but I want to do this. I did feel like I was beating my head against the wall for the longest time. But then finally, I found a fragrance house that was willing to develop these with me. And then it happened. And so it really helped me just to trust my instincts. Because when you are met with that kind of adversity and that kind of negativity for so long, but it's really the hardest thing to hold on to. Because then you have this pressure of like everyone kept telling me, oh, you should do a skincare line. You should do a skincare line. Why don't you do makeup? Why don't you do this? I'm, and you have no credibility in the, in the fragrance world. I'm like, well, I have no credibility in these other categories either. So <laughs> I'm universally lucky. I have no credibility in this world. Okay. <laughs> I'm a faker. It doesn't really matter where I start. So but now that I have a company, there's this pressure to expand and there's this pressure to, I actually didn't think we would be moving into other categories so soon. Well, look at you. And so we've actually done way more this year than I anticipated. And I'm really happy that we have. Do you, are you able to go and have a bath at night and light your own candles? And is that the greatest thing of all time? So great. I love, I love, I love the scents. I love, there isn't one fragrance that I don't love in our line. I love mixing them. I love our candles. I love our body cream. I have 
such dry skin and really sensitive skin. And typically when I find a product that works for me, I, I literally will use it for 20 years because it's so hard for me to find things. And I'm only using our body creams. You know what I like about your candles? They've got a big thick wick. It, well. <laughs> An easy to light big thick wick. Yeah, it's very important to keep it trimmed at a quarter of an inch. But the, because they're soy, it's a cotton wick. Let that be the learning of this entire pod, everybody. Trim your wick. Well, you're supposed to trim your wick on all candles. They all tell you that if you read the instructions. I never do. What's instructions? No, you are not an instruction reader. No, because you're going too fast. I'm the same. It's like, no, I've got, I've got to do things. I can't read it. I always say my epitaph will read. She didn't read the instructions. Yeah. And then I wouldn't even read my own epitaph. <laughs> okay. What have you learned most about yourself this year in, in this confinement? I've learned I don't need as much as I think that I do in terms of many things. That's been really, really good. And I've learned that I'm resilient, but I've always been resilient. I've learned that I, I think I take for granted the value of friends and family because all of us are really obviously uh, missing that. Yeah, we are, aren't we? Um, okay, so we could just, just to fling to a, a question that's even more important than friends and family uh -oh. and, and love is where's the whip? Where's the Catwoman whip? It's in my closet. Would you like me to take it out? I would. Yeah? I would love it if you would take out your whip. Oh, wow, it is. That's not being trimmed. I'm going to try it. Let me see if I can crack it. I don't do this for just anybody. Just keep whipping myself. That's not good. These things can draw blood. I am honored. And I'm so glad you didn't trim it ever. All right. So we're going to our sort of jazzy quick section at the, at the end of this. And you've answered this before in the magazine. But for the benefit of our listeners, what is the most badass thing you have ever done, Pfeiffer? Uh, wow. Wow. I think starting Henry Rose, it was certainly the hardest thing I've ever done. It was the riskiest thing I've ever done. The learning curve was, it continues to be pretty intense. And then I think having kids, you know, I think it's pretty badass to raise little ones. And, and, uh, certainly the thing that I've taken the most seriously in my life. And they appear to both be functioning. So well done. All right, a little section called 10 Firsts, and I'd like you to answer these questions as to first things in your life. So number one is first drink you order. The first drink I order? Water? No, you mean like alcohol. You mean alcohol. I always mean alcohol. Oh, I order a Don Julio on the rocks with a, a splash of bubbly water and lime. Fresh lime. Support that. First thing you look at on your phone in the morning? Uh, sales. Uh, okay. First person you call? Depends. Well, I know, but like in your first, like, okay, your, your emergency contact or the first like person you call when you have? My husband, David. 
Who's that? David. David, that guy, you know, he's a writer. David, David he, he writes, he produces, yeah. He's a writer, he produces, he makes things, guys, he makes things for the telly. And at the moment, uh, The Undoing is what he wrote. But you know what? You know what I love about David? Tons of things. But I, I really love his sort of glossy drama. When you haven't seen a good glossy drama and that we're The Undoing right now, I'm just like, ah, oh, feed me. First joke you remember. If somebody said, tell me a joke. I don't remember jokes. I can't even think of a joke right now. Not even one. Okay. First fashion item you splurged on. In my life? First, yeah. first, first. First oh, and then most recent. Okay. When I was young, I wanted, I guess they were kind of called go-go boots. <gasps> and they were the first boots that kind of came to the ankle and they had a little heel and they were white. And they were like the ones Nancy Sinatra wore. And I Just think... Just the same? Ooh. But the Kmart Maybe. version. The Kmart version. So I was so excited I'll never forget getting those boots. And what was what was the first like thing you bought when you sort of made it that you like treated yourself to? I bought a new car and within a week it was stolen. It was a Mustang and it had a pop top, but it leaked. So I was actually kind of happy that it got stolen. <laughs> okay. I love I this is one of my favorite questions. The first time you owned your shit. I remember I had the kids in the car and it was just one of those days I was just trying to do a million things and exhausted like you know moms with two young kids they were little they were really you know they were I don't know maybe like three and four maybe two and three maybe but they were young enough to just be super exhausting but old enough to realize what I had done and I had bad behavior and I, I was trying to, to go to this store and pick something up quickly. And the parking guy would not let me, I don't know, he's having an issue with me parking there and he wouldn't let me. And I got snotty with him and I did it in front of the kids. I was not gracious at all. Go on. And then we left and I'm like, this is, this is bad. This is not good role modeling for me right now. And this is a learning moment for all of us. <laughs> so I went back and I apologized to him. And See, you went on a journey. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You we had a little journey. Yeah. See, that is maturity. That is owning your shit a little bit to be like, oh, I, but no, that was, I'm just going to go back and correct it. That was really hard though. Now the question is, would I have done that if my children hadn't witnessed my bad behavior? Okay. Your first date. Who was your first date? Who was my first date? I, I feel like it was uh, somebody my dad set me up with. And my dad really liked this guy. It just was so awkward because he was a perfectly nice guy, but I just didn't, had no idea what I was doing there. And, you know, it was not good. That's not really the vibes, is it? My dad, my dad sent me. Oh, God. Bless. Okay. First thing you watch when you turn on the TV, if you were to be really honest, even if it's a guilty pleasure. The news. Is there a network you, you watch? MSNBC, CNN. First thing 
you do slash eat when you're stressed? Uh, when I'm stressed, I like crunchy, salty, like potato chips. I like chips and salsa, Mexican food. I love Mexican food. It's like my favorite. I would just eat it all day long, every day. Well, you make an excellent guacamole and you're, oh, you are so authentic. You're one of those savvy ones who keeps the seed in to keep the guac green. Mm, I always forget about that. So well done. Okay, this is the last one. First thing you'll do when this goddamn pandemic is over. Have a party. And I don't have parties, but I'm having a party. We're all going to have. Do you know how many parties there are going to be in the world when this is over? The catering business is going to boom. <laughs> I suggest we all invest in the catering business. In finger foods. Finger foods. There will be a lot of guacamole flowing. I, we could invest in avocados. Could you get a guacamole like tower, like a champagne one? It just oozes <laughs> guacamole. We could do an avocado chandelier. <laughs> I mean, we've got ideas, guys. Uh, Fife and Brown Catering, uh, we're, we're uh, opening for submissions. If anybody wants to back it, I can. Um, great cheese. Anyway, lady, Michelle Pfeiffer. Is it coming to an end? Uh, absolute delight. You are um, really a first lady in so much you do, and I don't mean presidentially, even though I'm sure you'd be great at that too. As someone who's gotten to know you as a real lady person, I am even more of an admirer than I was when I didn't. So keep up the great work, kid. Thanks. <laughs> You're going to go places. And there you go. Keep an eye out for that Michelle Pfeiffer. One to watch. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Savarese, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Erica Wong. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrown99.